welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, a modern podcast for the modern entrepreneur. And I am so excited today. I get to have a lovely, lovely person on the interview. You are just absolutely going to love this. This is Barry Tesler, and she is a mentor, a coach, a financial therapist. I told you you're going to love this. So she has the new book out, The Art of Money. And the subtitle, I love the subtitle, so beautiful, A Life-Changing Guide to Financial Happiness. And I met Barry back at Emerging Women several years ago, heard her speak, and just the real this presence and connectedness she had to herself and her own goals. And I could see so transparently her passion was really to bring healing, to bring people in connection with their money, and just to heal failures they had in the past so they could move forward in such a beautiful way. So you are going to be so excited to hear from Barry. We have so much to talk about, and I promise I'll try and be ever so quiet so Barry can talk, (laughs) but I just love what she does, and I know you're going to enjoy hearing from her. So welcome, Barry Tesler. Thank you so much, Priscilla. I'm very excited. I know. this. We were connected at Emerging Women, and we know Chantal Pirat in in common, which was such a great connection, but you rocked that stage, girl. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I had so much fun being in New York and I loved both days when I spoke and I loved connecting with and meeting everyone that I did. It was great. Well, it is a fantastic group. We refer to it as the tribe. So that's nice. (laughs) I mention it so much that my son who's seven will say, so what is emerging women? What does it mean? (laughs) How do you define that? He's so curious because I guess it's referenced so much, you know, so many different ways. Right. Well, I loved it. Just uh, I'll start with a little bit of a personal connection there. I felt it when you were talking. I felt that we have a connection beyond just those people. You know, I work a lot in the demystification of running a business and marketing and all these, the jargon people use or, you know, people who quote unquote are experts who really many times use that information to either put people down or put people in what they think is their place or make people feel bad for what they don't know. And I felt that vibe coming from you that you wanted to demystify. Look, if you want to financially succeed, let me let me show you. It's not it doesn't have to be a secret. And I, I felt that connection. And the other piece was just your real beautiful sense of trying to pull people out of money shame and say, let's just talk about it. Let's talk about this relationship. It won't hurt you. Exactly. <laughs> and I loved it. So let's hear from you about, you know, your story. So the big why. Why did you write this book? How did you get here? And I think this story is lovely, and I know my listeners would love it. I grew up dancing and being a creative person. And as a preteen, thought I wanted to, I always say this, I thought I wanted to be a solid gold dancer, number one. <laughs> right. Number two, as a preteen, I wanted to be a businesswoman. And that was simply because my father was a businessman. And so there was a lot of trying to be like him mm-hmm. to some degree. And then third is as a teenager, late teen, I asked to go to therapy because I wanted to understand myself better. And so in my early 20s, I went to graduate school to become a psychotherapist. And I decided to study somatic, body-centered psychotherapy, because that was much better for me than just simply talk therapy because I'm such a movement body person. And I could make up all sorts of stories by just talking and I learned early on that I needed to access other channels and to my unconscious and movement and dance always, you know, I used to go in my room as a teenager, shut the door, blast music, 
dance, all sorts of emotions, then come out of my room and be able to then articulate what I was feeling to my parents. So as a 20-something-year-old, and for that first decade in my 20s, I trained to be a somatic therapist. We had to be our own case study, go deep in ourselves, really deep. I worked in the mental health field. I worked in hospice and in bereavement and in overnight care. I led authentic movement groups. And then the day came when my student loan bill was due. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I love it when you tell the story. It's just like the shock of it. So what, what were you feeling? Like, how did that happen? How did that moment transpire for you? You know, it was one of those trembling, shameful wake up calls where I got to take a look at myself and say, well, yeah, I mean, my first response was I'm running away, you know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm leaving this country and I'm just going to travel forever. And, you know, that will be a good life. And I always like to present myself with many options. And <laughs> that was one option. And then, you know, suddenly, you know, or soon after I came up with other options of, well, what if I looked at this, you know, straight in the face and in the eyes and what if I, you know, and in that moment, as I said, well, what if I looked at this head on, you know, that's when I got to suddenly look back and realize, wait a second, I didn't receive a money education. And in graduate school, we never talked about money. Wait a second, how is that even possible? So we studied every topic under the sun, beyond the sun, as we were becoming therapists, body, food, sexuality, sensuality, spirit, God, gender, work, you know, so many things. And we completely left out money. How did we do that? How did we do that? How did we do that? And, you know, you shared the stage in New York uh, with Elizabeth Gilbert also. And it was so lovely because this last year reading your book and reading hers, there's another, you guys come at it from a different uh, way. And she just touches on it because obviously her book, Big Magic, is about really creativity. But I love that you guys meet on this one piece that the creativity, she talks a little bit about getting far too in debt and that keeping you from being able to be creative, you know? And it's so interesting because it's not the same uh, conversation, but I love how connected they are. And I hear you saying from that is that you wanted to carve out your life and go do this uh, deep work, but you hadn't figured into it the consequences financially, and nobody really alerted you to this roadblock coming up in your life. Sure. I had no idea what right livelihood meant, meaning Mm. how do I take my gifts, my skill sets, my creativity, what I'm really good at, and how do I create work out of that that I'm going to love and that's going to be sustainable and that's also going to be lucrative. It just, even in my 20s with a master's master's degree in psychology, I was working in the mental health field making $11 an hour. Mm -hmm. And there was just, I, I could not see how I was going to break through that money ceiling. I could not see how I was going to create a career. I knew I never wanted to have a traditional private practice where you see five to 10 clients a day. That was not going to work for me. I could not see. I could not see. So, I mean, this was just one of those moments where all I could see was this was a huge roadblock. My relationship to money, I didn't have one. I never received a financial education. I think I'm the only one. And then, (laughs) okay. And then I started looking around and realizing, wait a second, no matter what economic class, no matter what background, no matter what family, 
we all have strengths around money, we all have challenges around money, and most of us, most of us, did not receive a financial education from grade school and up in small increments. And so it became a path for me that seemed like such an odd detour that everyone around me was wondering what the heck I was doing. And I started learning bookkeeping and I started reading accounting books and QuickBooks manuals. And my husband <laughs> was like, what I is this? I was reading them in bed before bed. Is right. This was like some fabulous memoir or fiction <laughs> novel, you know. So he, you know, I just decided to read everything that I could imaginable. I started doing my own money work. I started tracking my money for the first time ever instead of throwing away my bank statements. On and on and on. I wound up having a little bookkeeping business for artists and creatives and therapists and coaches as a little side detour. And then, my God, did I learn so much about people by seeing their numbers and seeing where they spend and their habits and their patterns way more than doing therapy with them. You know, I was 32. I was so young, I felt. And and then, at, you know, one day woke up and it was just time to integrate all my deep previous training with holding space for people through all sorts of life transitions, challenging and beautiful, with all these new systems and these money tools that I became fascinated by. And I just had assumed also, number one, they were just always so boring and dry, right. you know, and I'm a creative person. I don't want to have anything to do with them. But also, I, I wasn't good at math growing up. And so somehow I equated if you're not good at math, you're not going to be able to do money. And you're really not going to be able to learn a bookkeeping system and be able to track like I just could not figure out. So when someone sat me down and taught me those systems, and the other side of my brain worked, and it not only worked, I got really excited and knew that there was much more going on than just these surface numbers. Um, it was just another moment on my journey where uh, I was gathering these tools and practices and one day put it all together into my methodology. And I'm 15 years down the road from that from that place. Well, I think a funny um, thing to point out, I don't know if you've ever seen the episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where he basically has every bank statement he's ever received holding in a bathtub because that's just where he puts them. And I think that is so common, you know, these people, everybody just ignoring them. It's, but it's out there and it's there. You said something I want to draw from just a little while back. You said something about one of the things that you wanted to be when you grew up was a business person because you did see that modeled from your dad. And we get a lot of these interesting ideas young, so we don't get that financial training, but yet we do see some models of what it is to work and work for a living and those things, but we don't get all the pieces. And so I guess I'm kind of curious with your experience, how many of these stories have come to us very young? And and I hear you say several different times in maybe in different ways that people are really lacking solid teachings about how to actually relate to or manage money, not just the concept that, yes, you must go to work. That's a work ethic, maybe? What what are your thoughts on that? Does that come from being young? What are we being taught? What, what is really lacking there? So, well, it's changing. You know, so for my community now is about 20 years to 70 years old, or like 70, yeah, three, let's say. Okay, and I want to pause for one second and just yeah. say I love how you call it a community. And I hear you even, you know, your book just talking through how you perceive people and how you work with them. And, and I just I just want to call attention to that. You know, you're saying this is the community I, I work in. There's just so much more compassion in that kind of a statement than these are my clients, you know. Um, but go ahead. So what do you hear from, from this community? Yeah, so this, you know, this community is 20 to 70 some years old. And... Most of them did not receive a money financial education. 
And so they're all learning it as adults for the first time at all different ages. Whenever I get someone in their 20s, I think, wow, you know, you're starting so young. How wonderful. You right. know? Um, so a lot of it is parents or, you know, we're waking up in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. You know, a lot of women for the first time for all sorts of reasons, a death, a divorce, or, you know, there's all different money initiations, as I call them, wake-up calls, small to big, where we suddenly realize it's time to have a relationship to money. I cannot not let this go on any longer, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a change in our culture that's happening. So we've done a lot of sexuality work. We've done a lot of death work. We're not done with any of those. Um, we've moved into a period of doing needing to do a lot of race work. And money has been one of those new conversations that over the last 10 years is becoming more and more to the forefront and out of the shadow and out of the taboo world and land. And we're starting suddenly starting to talk about, you know, this a lot more and we're sudden we're willing and we're ready because of what's happened in our economy, what's happening in the world, what's happening with our culture. Right. So, so suddenly we're a lot, people are a lot more ready to do money work. And now there's a whole field of money coaches and financial therapists. And, you know, in addition to the accountants and financial planners and financial coaches and bookkeepers that have been around for a while. Um, so as far as our childhood, we, we get a money education, some of us, in pieces and parts, as you're saying. We learn about work. We learn about are you supposed to have one job for years um, with a pension? You know, well, that doesn't exist anymore. Are you supposed to stay in the same profession for years and years and years? Is it okay to be an entrepreneur? Um, you know, so it's all different, right? But most of the time, a, a money education is not passed down um, where money's not – most of the time, money's not being talked about in a family or it's talked about way too much but usually it's not talked about this is yeah, something that's, that, yeah that's what Go i ahead. hear with a lot of entrepreneurs is that it's not talked about in fact it's actually rude like to talk about money and people have such a difficulty with money concept we'll we'll talk about that a little bit i'd love to for you to talk a little bit to uh, a lot of my listeners are, are freelancers or entrepreneurs and it would be interesting to hear a little bit about that i would just tell you a little funny personal thing about what you're talking about family systems in just a whole lifelong of a lack of saying anything about how to manage money, <laughs> my dad told me one thing just a few years ago when he was retiring. And he just, in, I, I remember I was in the car and in passing, he happened to mention to me the actual number, the, the money number that my mom and he had in their retirement account the day they retired. And I was just blown away. And for the first time, I thought, okay, I know how they live. I know what lifestyle they have. This is giving me some information that is more than just a number because a, a financial planner will give you a number. But I hear in your work, it's about really understanding your own life, understanding your own, how to carve out your own life and what you want for that life and putting that together with the number. The number is important. Sure. But the numbers are important because most of us are afraid to look at our numbers. We don't have clarity around our numbers. 
we're just scared to get in there, right? Or right. We, we don't know the language of money or we don't know how to set up a system. Or So there's lots of things where it is about money and it is about the numbers and there's pieces and parts that we need to learn, right? right there's right, systems right. and tools, right? Where it's not about the money, it's all about this deeper stuff. So it's what meaning we put on the money, what meaning do we put on the numbers, what story, do, what story is it telling these numbers and what story do we really want it to tell? Right. Um, we get to create our lives. Of course, we can't plan everything. That's not how life works, right? But we get to create and plan a lot of it based on our values, based on what's important to us, based on time, energy, money, etc. You know, so what we're even starting to touch on though is what are the money messages that are passed down? So even though there's money wasn't talked about or it was rude to talk about or, you know, you're supposed to keep this all secret and hidden. We did watch our parents and we did watch them paying their bills on the kitchen table and being really frustrated or scared. We did hear them having fights about money behind closed doors. We did see them being stressed if they were entrepreneurs with, you know, up and down, the up and down cash flow of it. Or, I, you know, my parents were entrepreneurs. So um, I, while there was no direct teachings, I got to watch them. Right. They owned restaurants and bars and some real estate. And so I got to watch Um, I got to watch things and learned a lot. Like I have the entrepreneurial spirit in me. I also learned a lot about what I would never do. My father is a much more aggressive. He was a much more aggressive, intense kind of guy, tough Chicago business guy. He's not anymore. He had a stroke a few years ago and he's all love at this point. So I got to see a lot about running business that never made sense to me. And and so while I wanted to be a businesswoman, I never wanted to be that kind of businesswoman that was really aggressive and intense and all of that. I wanted it, but I didn't even know there was any other way. I just knew I could never be ultimately like that. You know, so to finish this, there's messages that are being passed down consciously, unconsciously, strengths and challenges that we learn from mom, dad or mom and mom or grandparents, whoever was raising us. And one of the first stops on our journey when I'm doing when I'm, you know, helping people do the art of money work is to first look at their current relationship to money around spending and saving and giving. After that, we go back to the family of origin. We go back to family systems and we say, okay, what did we learn? You know, and positively, negatively, and what are we still reacting to and rebelling against? And, you know, what have we continued on today that's serving us? What is obviously not serving us? Most of my community talks about their relationship to money in the terms of I still feel like a teenager around money or I still feel like a toddler, an infant or a baby or, you know, knowing that they have developed in all these other areas of life. They're very skilled. They're very productive. They're they've matured in all these other ways. They know themselves and money is still the last piece. And so it's been really helpful for my community to talk about their relationship to money is though, wow, I never matured in this way because of da 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 and I'm still back as a teenager and then to actually go back to your family of origin to see what you learned and where you are still rebelling or where you're still playing out mom and ultimately it is your own path it is your own journey you get to create your own money story but first we need to go back and understand the money story that we were raised in by family culture religion Etc. Right. Now, that's the beauty about your book, The Art of Money, because you are basically giving people the tools and a framework from which to carve out their own life. And I think there are so many financial books out there that say, here's the way. And so let's talk a little bit. Believe me, there's so much deep stuff in this book. You're, you know, there's no way we could, you know, go through all of it. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about three things. The first thing about 
money healing and and how what your take is about look if you want to carve your own thing out which is what you're trying to help people do not put a this is what you should do on anyone that and I know you you call that the financial therapy aspects of it but how what are some of the key points about how you help people look at the shame they've held on to with money or start talking about the failures or getting past some of those taboos that are hard Okay, so I will say one thing because you you named you named it, which is that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of traditional money books out mm, there right. um, that talk about saving and paying down debt and investing and traditional money management. Some of them are really good, right? So I go to some of them just to get, get to get all the basic stuff. That's not what the art of money is. Yes, we talk about saving and investing. And we, you know, I, I touch on all of those topics. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm a financial therapist. And so there's, there's, it's, this is about money and it's never about money. So as I was saying, it's about money that there's all these things we didn't learn, the knowledge, the language around money, the tools and systems, which I'll, well, I'll talk about in the second phase. But then there's all this deeper stuff where, where it's really, what's really going on. It's about our relationship to power. It's about our relationship to safety. It's about our relationship to trust insecurity and on and on right so i'm always coming at it from those places and from day one i created a roadmap that takes you through three different phases and this is how i teach them in my year-long program and this is how i've been teaching them for years so the first phase is really bringing more awareness and understanding to your money story and so it's looking at your current relationship to money your spending saving giving, loaning, borrowing, investing, um, earning. Did I say earning? (laughs) (laughs) Important. Important. And then we start going back to the family systems and family of origin, right? Right. And then we move into the forgiveness and completions and all of that. So my number one tool, and this is what I call the body check-in, and this does come from my somatic psychology background. And it can happen in 10 seconds. It can happen in 30 seconds. It can happen in a few minutes. And it's literally just stopping and pausing, closing your eyes if that feels comfortable, and asking yourself to notice and be curious on a physical level what's going on, on a sensation level, what the feelings are, where your breath is. And I have people do a body check-in in all the daily money interactions that we have. There are so many. When we're going online to check our balances, when we're going to have a money conversation with our spouse, with our honey, when we're going to tell a client our fees, when we're going to our mailbox to pick up our bills, when we're walking out of the grocery store, walking out of the mall. So a body check-in, I invite you to do it. Do one before you're going to have these conversations or this money interaction. During, in the heat of the moment, you may remember body check-in, you know, slow down, <laughs> check-in. Why am I so pissed right now? Why is my heart, you know, not why, but just my notice. My heart's beating so fast. I'm so pissed. I want to go screaming and running away. I want to, you know, I'm starting to shut down. I want to fall asleep. I'm feeling so anxious. Or I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling hopeful. You know, there's such a spectrum of emotion. And I want people to start to understand their money story. And by doing that, I mean, and how to do that is by starting to bring awareness in the moment. So before a money conversation, 
during a money conversation and after as a debriefing. And we won't remember to do it every time, but when folks start doing this, they say, Barry, I love your work so much. I love everything about it. I loved your year-long program. My favorite was this simple yet so profound body check-in. But that's what that section of the book really, you know, gives is it helps you actually start a real conversation, even a real conversation finally with yourself about it. And those, you know, it's always, isn't it always the simple thing when, but if you can communicate it to someone, which you did very profoundly, it finally means something to them. They may have heard that before, like, oh, check in with yourself. No, like doing it. And I remember in New York, you did it live from a stage. I did. And it was a room full of people. And I mean, you could have heard a pin drop. (laughs) It was just, it was so powerful. But, you know, just on a weird personal level, lately, my husband and I have been talking about a kitchen remodel. And I love in that section, you know, you, that phase really talking about you know, it's never just about money. <laughs> Don't, you know, quit saying this. Never, it, there is something else here, too. It is about money, but it isn't. And what else is here in this conversation? So you can actually invite that thing into the conversation. And being able to have a real conversation with your spouse about significant money you're spending or even a small amount of money you're spending is such a life changer. It's such a – it is a big shift, Barry. And I think that's probably what people are saying is that – a shift happens at that level. A shift happens. Unshaming happens. A gentle, loving kindness happens. These are big deals. You know, we're taught to be, oh my, you know, we're just, we're, we're taught to be really tough on ourselves in so many ways or just like, just do it. Just change your patterns already. Or like, <laughs> right. You know, like, you know, just you made a mistake, get over it or just move on. Or, oh, my God, this is for most of us. It's not like that. We need tools to to love ourselves. And with couples, it's not that we just weren't taught how to it, we, we weren't taught about how to, you know, how to interact with money or set up systems or read reports or on and on. But my God, with couples, no two people ever come together that come from the same background. And even if they do, they spend or save or invest differently or earn differently. And we're usually, you know, we polarize as couples. We're horrified by (laughs) how different we are. You know, I always tell the story. I was horrified that my husband was really into expensive road bikes and he likes gear. And he's kind of horrified by the way that I do self-care and go to acupuncture and chiropractic work (laughs) and, and that I love facial lotion so much. But we, you know, we had to have many, many money dates and sit down and I got to hear his case for why this gear is so important to him, why it's so meaningful for him. He got to hear why my self-care is so meaningful for me. At the end of the road, we wound up like adding everything up and it was about two years, something like that of my self-care equaled his expensive road bike. Maybe it was three years. (laughs) But you know, at first we're just so horrified and we just want to blame and kind of shame the other person because they're different and they spend different. Now, if they're really out of control, that's a whole different, you know, that's a whole different issue. But with couples, we, we were never taught how to sit down, how to have a money date from the beginning. So there's years of stuff, five, 10, 20, 30 years of stuff like thrown under the rug. And sometimes we need to just go back to the very beginning and just have a very beginning money day. You get 30 minutes. Each person gets 15 minutes to talk about what they learned in their family and the positive or negative of that. And you just have some story time to begin because we usually like go to the numbers right away or we whip out the credit card statement and want to tell the other person while they're in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) 
or getting into bed and I, you know none of that so true it's gonna work and right you know just perpetuates right you know just tension and fighting mm-hmm. and all that so with couples my, I really encouraged them to start from the beginning again and have some money dates and it doesn't mean that they go well right away but after some practice I have couples six months down the road that went from so much fighting and tension and blaming to so much more compassion and even fun, you know, like fun money dates. Well, that's some of the framework you provide in the practices. And it's so helpful. Like it because they are you just you bring it down to something very simple that's uh, non-threatening about a very threatening subject because it yeah, money is a huge part of our security. And for some people and how you define that is always interesting. It's scary. What I find is that a lot of people are scared about money, scared right, to right. talk about it, scared to learn how to manage it because it means all these other things. I mean, or everyone wants different things. I mean, some people want security and stability. Some people just want peace of mind. <laughs> they want right. they want clarity. You know, they want to feel hope around this. So there's many different things. Security is one of them. That might be one of yours, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, for me, that's not. But I hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. I, that For me, it's not. It's so funny. My, my husband and I, it, this is what's interesting. We don't argue about money. And yet this book has been, like, mind-blowing. And I find that interesting. It's We don't have a lot of tension around money, and yet it has been just really breathed a, a fresh air of connectedness into the relationship. I didn't fight about it, but it is. it really does, like you say, open up a sense of compassion for the other person. You begin to understand how it is that they are sometimes suffering silently, over money issues when they don't need to. They could feel completely supported. You know, and we're, we're an interesting couple. I'm 13 years the sole breadwinner of our family, and my husband stays home and raises our kids, and now homeschools, a different depending on what year, how many kids he's homeschooling, depending on what they want to do. So it, you would think that we're a minefield, but we've never had issues with stress about money, and yet it still lacked that kind of real beauty and understanding and kind of what you say like that fun, but it could be fun. It could be fun. Like what mm-hmm. a concept that you you can actually have fun when you sit down and do your bookkeeping system that you could rename categories so that they were integrated with your values. Right, you know, right. So it was more meaningful. I'm always going for fun, <laughs> playfulness. <laughs> well, and as an entrepreneur, for me, you know, being able to have that space open, I saw in your money practices opportunities, even where, you know, my husband can even, you know, offer what is very um, easy for him to give, which is he is willing to give me, hey, good job. Can you believe we only have one person working? And to give someone the space to say that and to show you, you know, um, you know, to pat you on the back and say, I'm proud of you for doing this for us. This is our decision. And likewise, for me to be able to be like, yeah, but this is this is the life I want. You're willing to stay here and do this and carve out the life we want. Let's talk about that a little bit, because I felt like those, you know, those money practices you give are so beautiful, but they moved right into something that is Absolutely, absolutely near and dear to my heart, which is the concept of carving out your life. And some people kind of start talking about it like authentic, authenticity, you know, live your real life or be your authentic self. But that doesn't cut it. And you really, I think, hit the nail on the head with, um, you know, being able to, and you call it a money map. But really, it, it's about visioning where you want to be 
grabbing hold of that, holding that as sacred. And I think it's like moving, putting authenticity with action. What are you going to do about it? Yes, that's a life you say you want, but what kind of action are you going to do? So talk a little bit about how you came up with that idea of planning in, in terms of a money map. Yeah, well, there was the one step before, which, you know, we started touching on the money practices, which is, you know, starting to track your numbers, starting to look at them, starting to understand your patterns, and being gentle with it, because there's always going to be things that you can change. And a lot of us are are afraid that like, someone's going to tell us how to do it, or we're going to have to be on a rigid diet, Mm -hmm. or (laughs) someone's going to say we are bad and wrong, you know, and at first, I just want you to look at your numbers and see what the patterns are, and then start to look at your values and are your values being represented in your spending and saving and giving and investing? Are they? And where are they not, right? And so I have people rename their categories. So, you know, home, mortgage or rent becomes home or sanctuary or love shack or a debt, which we can have a lot of shame around. I have people really identify what time of life, what phase of life were you in? What's the real name here? Was it a big transition? Was it a health crisis that you were going through? Were you leaping off your corporate job and starting your own thing and on and on? So renaming is so important to me and renaming according to your values. And then so starting to track, starting to look at your patterns, what's working, what's not, starting to learn how to read your reports monthly, quarterly, then that leads into the money map, right? For the money map for me is this three-tier plan. And the first tier is bottom line, basic needs, however you define that at this time. Five years ago, it would have been different. Five years from now, it will be different. Um, Next tier is comfortable lifestyle. What do you add into comfortable that you didn't have in bottom line, basic needs? Um, Defining it as a concept, adding up your expenses, getting a total number, seeing it. You know, or the third tier is the ultimate. Some people call it luxury. Some people call it ultimate. And we're in different phases. We're different. We're going for different tiers at different moments in our life, right? So I do visioning every year, and it's what tier am I going for? Now, this is what's so fascinating. I did a survey with my community a year ago, and I asked them, you know, what are they living in? Are they going for their bottom line, basic needs, comfortable, ultimate? And it was about a third, a third, a third. And now the numbers were vastly different. What one person considered bottom line, another person considered comfortable. What one person considered comfortable, another person considered bottom line. What one person considered ultimate, someone else considered comfortable, right? Right, right. So that's always fascinating to me. It just is. It's so relative. And it depends on where we're at and where we've come from, right? And so what lifestyle are we going for? And to actually see the number has always been very empowering for me. Once I could add up the expenses and also add in that extra stuff that I wanted to be going for and to see the total number, that was a guiding light. That was a North Star for me. That was, a, is it called a North Star? star. It was just that, that was what I knew I needed to break through. That was right. the money ceiling for me. And then I can go back to my business and figure out, so how many clients, how many group programs back in the day, you know, what do I need to do over there? But actually seeing the numbers... It was always very empowering for me. Sure, I know it can be scary for people sometimes or they actually they look at their numbers and they realize they're making less than they thought or they're hemorrhaging and then that's when you realize if you continue to not look, you're just going to go down the same road and fall in the same pothole. Um, and it's scary at first and you can do the body check-ins and check-in and if you want to be on a different path and it's 
my God, this is hard work. This is I, I call, <laughs> like this is hard work of tons and tons of baby right. steps. And then the magic comes and the leap comes. So it's a lot of hard work. But the third tier, the three three tier map is really understanding what are you going for for the next six months as a family um, for the year. And then it's going back to the money practice and it's checking in on a monthly basis. How are you doing? Are, you know, it's about dancing with the money map. It's not a rigid diet where you have, I mean, there are certain phases in our life where it's more of a money cleanse. We have to remove the dairy and the <laughs> sugar just for a period of time, knowing that we're going to go back to our chocolate, you know, always for me. And, and so it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of dancing and fine tuning. I mean, the whole money map section is doing a three tier map. Some people can only get to the comfortable because they're not ready for the ultimate yet and they need to hit the comfortable lifestyle mark before they can even vision. Other people need to hit the bottom line map before they can vision, right? And then it's really monitoring on a monthly basis. How are you doing? Where are you off? Where are you on? Reevaluate looking at your values again. And then it's also, it's a guiding light for how you make money choices. So how you make money choices when you're clothing shopping and what set of questions do you need to be asking yourself or that would be really helpful to ask yourself when you're there. Or what set of questions are helpful to ask yourself when your family wants to buy a new car or you know th- that's a midterm option or buy a house, you know, mm-hmm. just so I in this area it's also about using your money map and whatever lifestyle you're going for as a way to help you make money decisions because a lot of us just make money decisions on the fly. We're either freaking out or, you know, we we don't know how to evaluate. Can I buy these pair of boots? Can I, you know, can we go on this vacation? And so the money map is also a guiding light so that you have the larger picture and the larger view and you really understand what your larger goals and intentions and dreams are at this point. And then they help you, you know, be able to make the short-term, mid-term, long-term money decisions. It's all guiding lights. And there's, you know, this is, again, this is baby step and baby step. We're fine-tuning this. Every year we get better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm on this journey and will be for years to come. Some years I'm updating my bookkeeping system or I finally handed over handed it over to a bookkeeper a few years ago, our business, or we add a new person to our financial support team, or I'm trying to break through another money ceiling that I haven't broken through before, or I'm working on an issue around value, which all entrepreneurs have to work with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and what comes out, I think, in that is your real deep sense that our money is representing our values. And just like people talk about how time is so precious, our money is so precious and it shouldn't be relegated to this secret thing. But how can we truly be who we are and let, can can it speak for our our values? Can we really let it reflect our values so that we can live our life. And I loved reading your book because I could see where people with completely different goals could really take your book and take those practices, take those concepts and carve out their own money journey. And it could be just so completely different. 
And it is. And I want it I want it to be so completely different right. for everyone. I don't tell people, you know, how to live their lives or what their values should be or mm-hmm. how to make or what dis- money decisions they should make. Right. Because you I, didn't title it seven steps to whatever. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I give the roadmap. And so this is the challenge and the blessing because some people just want to be told what to do. Right. Know, and then, the, and, yeah. And but, there are books for that. And but this is also it's all income levels. And it's women and couples and creative entrepreneurs. That's that's who I work with day in and day out. And so, you know, it, it really is people from all different backgrounds and all different income levels. And it's a whole roadmap for the practical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual components of our relationship to money. It, that comes out that it's just really all connected there. So let me just give people an idea of how they can connect with you. Obviously, they've got to read this book, The Art of Money, A Life-Changing Guide to Financial Happiness. You will be so glad that you did. It's just awesome. And, um, you know, it, it's, it takes time, too, because it is a deep book, and it is a, a process that you have to put into your life and maybe starting with a few, okay, I, I've done some of this, you know, this deep work. Maybe maybe you can only take so much deep work at a time and, you know, and go there. So I can see that this is a book that you have to come back to um, frequently. You know, you really have to, it's not like, oh, I read it. Oh, yeah, it was a great concept. No, it's a thing that you have to really embrace and understand and, and kind of let it sink in. That's how I felt when I finished it. I'm like, hmm, it hasn't sunk in totally. Let's go back and let's let's think through this. Like how how could this sink in more profoundly, you know, to me so that this could be my own my own story and my own strength and I think you hit it at the very beginning, my own journey to maturity. Yeah. You know, a maturity with money that I am not being controlled by money. Right. But that I feel nobody's totally in control. We know things are going to happen, but it's about not being a slave to it. And knowing exactly, just being aware of exactly how I feel and where it sits at the table with me. And that is incredibly powerful. So you've got to read this book. So let's talk a little bit. I know they can catch you on grabbing the book, but I know that uh, the Art of Money School has been going on and you do this yearly. So tell us just a little bit about that, even though I know right now it's closed, but who knows when someone's listening to this podcast. So tell us about what you do with Art of Money School and also when private coaching types of things are open. So I teach a year-long program that's called The Art of Money, and I refer to it as our money school, and it takes people through four months of the money healing and four months of the money practices and four months of the money maps. And we open it up once a year, so we always have a little early bird for folks that just can't wait and need some extra help through the holidays because so much money stories and material and patterns get triggered during that time. So there's a lot of extra support um, when people sign up early this year, we'll do it in October because we don't want to be anywhere near the election. Um, I mean, that's kind of near the election, but usually we <laughs> open up in November. And then we'll open up the full registration in January, and we put out great free content. Every year we do a different version. One year we did a road show where we traveled for 17 days in an RV. That was crazy. Yeah, that was <laughs> fun to watch on social media. You guys were hilarious. <laughs> we were. I, everyone loved it. My husband hated it. He'll never, we'll never be in an RV again. Again, we have a small child. <laughs> um, last year we did a podcast, the Art of Money podcast, which was a narrative storytelling podcast. Forrest went to all my archi- archives and interviews and created an incredible season um, of a podcast that we hope to do again one day. But a year-long program is 
where you get me and five TAs, teaching assistants, and a lot of guest teachers, you know, money in Enneagram, money in couples, money and I have financial coaches, I have accountants, I have financial planners. I love to interview these folks. And so, and it's, you know, where all the handholding happens and it's a whole community. So this year there's 400 students and 27 countries, something around that, 25 to 27 countries. And yeah, it's it's really where you get the handholding and the access to me. And uh, we do once a month, a community call for about two hours and lots of content online in a very private secret group that's very interactive. So it's really my community program. That's what people have been called. That's what people call it. And now that people are reading the book, they say they feel like I'm talking directly to them and as though I'm their friend, I'm their, their financial therapist. And that was our intention. We wanted the book to be filled with kind of memoir stories while also including the teachings and the tools and the practices, you know? So that's the difference. The book is all the same content. It's obviously much more concise and story form, and it's in book form, which I've been dreaming about for years and years and years. So my year-long program, The Art of Money, opens once a year, and we'll just keep growing that, and I'll keep adding more TAs, you know, but I'm in there a lot. I'm in there a lot. Then my private financial therapy slots, I open up only every year and a half. I opened them up a few months ago. They sell out in a day. Um, I don't know when I'm going to be opening them again because I'm heading out for our book tour in just a month. So the other thing that people can enjoy is if they go to my site, barrytesler.com, I'm going to get in, I'm getting a new site. My husband's building me a gorgeous site that will be live in less than three weeks. So probably by the time everyone listens to this, you will see it. I cannot wait. Yeah, it's so <laughs> awesome when, when those things launch. <laughs> God, we all know when we have an old site, we're just so ready. Yeah. It served us well, but we're so ready for this new site. So if you go to my site, barrytesler.com, and you join my community, the first thing you get is my seven-day mini Art of Money course. We call that the pocket map. And it takes you through seven days of a really good experience and taste of the Art of Money methodology. Um, so please enjoy that. We put out really solid content and articles every two weeks. My site is filled with great free articles and um, pieces. And then the book is going to be hardcover. It is hardcover. I'm really proud of that. And it will be, you know, published live June 14th. And then my book tour starts June 30th. And we'll go all summer and fall. And so you'll be able to catch me live, and then we'll also simultaneously be doing a virtual book tour. Well, I'll be interviewed like this. You're part of my book tour. Yay! I love it. <laughs> I I had to, I had to get first dibs. You know, I'm like I gotta be in the first wave. The first wave. Oh, it's just so it's so cool to have watched this dream come to life. Because, like I said, you're the real deal. You just really have a heart for people to you know turn that compassion that so often we give to other people but refuse to give to ourselves. And I just see that in the way that you talk and the way that you bring people through this journey. And you're right. The blog is full of great stuff. So check out her blog. It's B-A-R-I-T-E-S-S-L-E-R.com. I I don't want you to miss it, but BarryTesler.com. And that pocket map for the money, money road trip is super fun. It's super easy to do. It's not like sometimes you start looking at like, oh, I'm going to look at my finances and it starts getting overwhelming. It's just such a just a breath of fresh air the way you you put it together. So I love it. And I think people will love that. So go to her website and go find that that pocket map. I think you'll get a really good taste 
of the kind of info. So where can they see you next? Like is on the website, is there going to be where the book tour is going? And You bet. So my new site will have a whole mini book site within it. Um, So my current site, you just go to my site and there's a book page and you can see, you know, exactly June 30th, I'll be at the Boulder Bookstore, my hometown, kicking everything off. And then I fly to San Francisco and I'm having book readings and signings and house parties. And and then I head to Seattle and then I head to Bainbridge Island and then Vancouver and then Portland and then Ashland and then L.A. And then I'll be doing New York and maybe Boston, still figuring out Austin, Chicago and Santa Fe. And then there'll be more in 2017. But that's the first few legs of my book tour. So if you're in any of those places, please come see me live. The list is all on my book page and my new site. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be a virtual book tour page and a live book tour page and on and on. Barry, thank you so much for doing this with me. I absolutely want to give my listeners the absolute best. And I think this is something that just gives them that leg up, that, that next level of really living their own life and taking the stigma of what you don't know about a topic out and just being able to walk in, take that next step. And I do love it. You talk about baby steps a lot. So I encourage people, baby steps. But the first baby step is read this book. It's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. I can't wait till our paths cross again, Barry. You're such a such a gracious, uh, gracious person. And, and thank you so much for taking the time out and telling my listeners about how they can really reach into their life and, and really make it the absolute most beautiful that it possibly can be. So visit her at B-A-R-I tesler.com and for ponderings on the perch the little bird marketing podcast this has been priscilla mckinney with the beautiful barry tesler thank you so much for listening This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.